This podcast is a part of the More Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome to the Daily Leader Podcast by Pattern Talent, where we interview great leaders and we seek to understand leadership. I'm Brad McDonald. And I'm Taylor Jessup, and we really hope that you enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of The Daily Leader, where we are going to seek to stay curious about leadership and help foster in-depth discussions on, uh, on on leadership. So we're super excited today uh, to get going. I am one of your co-hosts, Taylor Jessup, along with uh, Brad McDonald. Uh, and we have got a fantastic guest today that I'm going to let Brad introduce in just a moment. Uh, before we get too much further into that, we do like to give our shout outs at the beginning of each episode. So, hey, special thanks to Jesus with Video Pilot, who can take care of all of your podcasting uh, needs there in terms of editing, recording, all those good things. Check him out at Video Pilot there. Please see the show notes. Same with April Norris, who uh, has wonderfully put together the intro music that you just heard and will hear at the end of our podcast. She also uh, has her whole line of music there on both Spotify and Apple Music or wherever you get your music. Special shout out and our Toast, Brad, if you've got a, uh, a little mug here, we always give a toast to the department, which I am not at currently. Thank you, department. Uh, we do a lot of podcasting there and recording for all of your podcasting needs. And one last shout out to uh, Ellery May, who has a uh, super hot babe of, uh, of an organizer there who runs that company. She's my wife. I'm a little bit biased, uh, but you can see the candles are back here. Uh, I like to say, light a small fire in your house that smells like heaven. She will not let me use that line ever for her actual business, but that's what I like to say. So if you need any candles. Check her out. Uh, She'll be in our show notes as well. And lastly, and he doesn't know I'm going to say this, but hey, happy anniversary to my partner in crime, Mr. Brad McDonald's. How uh, how many years have you now been married, sir? Nine nine years of marriage. Nine years that Becca has somehow put up with you. Is that correct? That is, man, that is fantastic. Well, good for the two of you. That is exceptional. You have two beautiful uh, children that are fantastic and just wanted to say congratulations. So, I've talked plenty. That is enough of an intro there. I'm sure everybody wants me to be quiet. Brad, could you kindly introduce um, Will today? I sure can. Will, super, super grateful that you would take the time to be with us today on The Daily Leader. Uh, Will Severns is a new friend of mine. Will and I got in contact through a mutual friend because Will co-founded Streamline Books. And book writing is something that I am beginning the, the process of planning for over the course of the next year with a a business partner of mine named Mitch Aldridge, who oversees all of the content and insights with Pattern Talent. And so we reached out to Will and basically said, hey, what would it look like for us to to write a book? And, uh, you know, what's what's the process? What's the cost? And so he's been walking us through and, and has served as a guide with us as, as we begin to plan that out. And so, Will, we're super grateful to have you here and would love just to hear your story. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, uh, where you're at in your life, the work that you're doing as you've co-founded and founded multiple business projects. We're just eager to get to know you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brad. Man, congratulations. I didn't know that about the anniversary. That is super exciting. Lauren and I, my wife, we celebrate eight years on January 30th. So got to love a good winter wedding and 
yeah, I mean, I agree with Taylor. That is a no small, no small deal. So congratulations. And Taylor, I, I don't know if I'd say you missed your calling because you're behind the mic right now. I just think you, you're born to do it, man. You were born to uh, be in this seat. I don't know if it was SportsCenter ESPN, their loss, because <laughs> we, we have you here now and it's just fun to see you, man, in, in this role of playing host, you and Brad. Great, grateful to be here, guys. And I think my story, uh, a large part of it centers around, I was born and raised here in the Kansas City metro area. So Prairie Village, Kansas. So I was born and raised on the Kansas side. Some people get that mixed up. Is it Missouri or, or Kansas? And so I was born and raised on the Kansas side, but obviously grew up a big Royals, Chiefs fan and so forth. And then for me, a lot of my story also revolves around Taylor in the sense of I went to a small school in Indiana called Taylor University. And so that's that's a big part of my story. My three older siblings went there in Indiana. And then coincidentally, all uh, the four of us eventually moved back. So in Kansas City currently with my wife and I, we have two kiddos and then Taylor continues as a theme as our new uh, neighbor here. I might have heard of her. Taylor Swift just moved in uh, in, the, in the Kansas City metro as well. So <laughs> she, she did. That, she did. That's yeah, amazing. totally. We just went to the park with her the other day. Uh, might, <laughs> might go to hit up Trader Joe's this weekend just for a fun little get together. And yeah, so and then, and then now sitting here with you, Taylor and, and Brad. So yeah, guys, that's that's part of my story is... Taylor, uh, when I went to Taylor University, kind of got me started on this entrepreneurial journey, which is ever, you know, it, it's still going. It's it's an ever-present deal and kind of theme of my life is what it means to create and to take an idea that God puts in your brain and take the next steps to make it a reality, I just think is one of the most fun, exciting things. And I know we'll be... Um, discussed in, in this conversation because whether it's my past ventures or what you guys are on right now, it's, it's just so fun to create and to utilize one's gifting and skill set. So thank you guys again for having me because I can't wait to dive into some of these topics. Absolutely. We're, we're excited. So let's kind of start with Streamline Books because that's how I got to know you, obviously through, through Bill High and Drew and would love just to hear about your journey co-founding Streamline. So let's kind of start there and then tell us about some of those other ventures that you started too. And we'll just move into talking about what leadership looks like for you in this season of your life. Maybe that's as a, a father, maybe that's as a co-founder and a founder and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, totally. So Streamline Books is the company that I co-founded with my friend and business partner. His name is Alex Dimchek. And Alex and I, we were co-counselors together at a Christian's summer camp based out of Branson, Missouri called Canicut Camps. And so again, yeah, I'm sure there's maybe some mutual overlap there. Brad, you're laughing. Did, did we talk about that or just summer camp is a very big part of my my upbringing in my life. And so summer camp is just a funny thing. It's like Jerry Seinfeld talking about pop tarts. It's like, yeah, summer camp's just funny. It just even sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, it is, you know, formative years for me as a camper. But then eventually when I worked there, my summers in college, you ask yourself those questions of like, man, what am I doing here? You know, with these, you know, teenagers in my summers in college, you know, should I, be it an internship or what have you, but it was just, it was such a blast, man, those summers and getting to meet guys like Alex, who 
I'd say after those years at camp together, which is probably 2012 through 2014, life just kind of took us separate ways. Years later, we reconnected in 2020. And by that point, I had my own content marketing company called Quill Creative that I had started here in, in Kansas City. And I'd been doing Quill for about two to three years. Around that time in 2020, summer, I'd gotten into ghostwriting, specifically alongside business leaders and owners in the Kansas City area, whether that was blog posts or LinkedIn articles I'd helped business owners with. Well, around that time, Alex had his own public speaking business, which continues to this day. When we reconnected, Alex was going, Will, people ask me all the time, you know, how do I get into more speaking or grow my business or get my message out there? And Alex would tell them after these speaking engagements, he would say, well, you know, a book helps. And people would turn around and say, that's great. Well, how do I do that? And Alex never really had an answer for them. And so he and I just kind of started dreaming, you know, what would this look like in terms of our gifting and skill set kind of with me on the writing and editing side on the on the uh forefront. And then on the back end with Alex, kind of the post-production people going, I've got this book. Now what, you know, how do I utilize it to grow my, grow my message and do these different things. So we tried it and we did it with one of our friends. It was a mutual friend of Alex. His name, Colin Holda. He was a NFL long snapper for about four or five years. And Colin was getting ready to retire. He'd had this idea for a book and we said, we'd love to help you. So we helped Colin write, edit, and publish his book in July of 21. So that was kind of author number one for us. And literally yesterday morning, which is fun to think about, we signed our 97th author. Wow. That's Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we will be able to work with over the last two to three years. And man, it's been so much fun and a grind. You know, you could... Even, even to say that number, you know, 97, it's like, oh, great. And yeah, thank you for the congrats. But we know, guys, that is a drop in the bucket, you know, compared to how many people are out there that have, you know, this dream and this idea of taking their expertise and their story and blending it together, getting it down on paper. Yeah, it's so fun. And, and I could talk about it for a while. I'm passionate about what we do and how we get to help and serve others. Yeah, there's a whole ton, you know, from a leadership standpoint that I've that I've learned and, and grown from in the last couple of years. Namely, I think in what it means to move from working in the business that which is where it started with Alex and I, where again it was me writing and editing a lot of those <laughs> books alongside authors, uh, kind of making that transition from going in the business to on the business, right? Was kind of 2022 to 2023 for us. So 2023 now in retrospect and just looking at um, what the last 12 months have had uh, to show us about leadership and namely leading others who are better than us, you know, on the writing and editing and project management sides of things. It's, that's just a different transition, right? When it's not just Alex and I, it's we have people beneath us now who we are leading in the process. So yeah, yeah this podcast comes at a good time because I'm totally in a state of reflection, you know, what went well, some went well. And then what is, what is there to improve upon a lot? And so, you know, it, it's, it's a huge theme. The last thing I'll say, just this leadership journey, you've never arrived. Right. And I think the moment you right. say that about yourself, man, I've done it. You know, I'm, I'm a leader now is probably the moment that you need to check yourself because that's not it. It's, it's, it's an everyday thing. I think until probably the day we die of just continuing to learn and get better each day. 
That's so good. One of the the big questions I have for you, Will, because of the a little bit of this diversity of experience you've had is what's the difference between founding solo and then co-founding a business and how have those experiences been different for you and what have you learned from both of them? Yeah, totally. So briefly, the, you know, somewhere to go to LinkedIn or I would to talk about my past history in relation to entrepreneurship. I don't really consider myself like a serial entrepreneur, right? I haven't, you know, started dozens and, and sold a few companies over the course of my career. I know I'm still early on in what it means to found and, and, and run a successful company. And after I graduated from Taylor's, when I founded my first, is a product line called Membands. So M-E-M bands, like memory bands, is a mnemonic device aiding others in scripture memory um, and or uh, business messages or mantras you can put on a silicon wristband for the sake of memorizing it, um, kind of storing that word internally. Um, we've helped, you know, for-profits, non-profits, whether it's their core values or a vision statement, in addition to, yes, scripture memory, which is where, where I founded the idea on. So I started Membands after... I graduated from Taylor, which was fun. It was, it was a roller coaster and has continued to this day. Membans still exists. You can go to membans.com and, and check out the product for yourself. But yeah, that kind of solo venture is, it's a lot to take on your own. Yes, in terms of the X's and O's and the blocking and tackling of actually getting the thing up and running and, you know, purchasing your own legal entity and all of that. But I think more than anything, mentally, right? Mm. of just saying, man, I, uh, I've decided to undertake what I feel like I'm called to, but that brings on a whole host of, and you know, because you see it, call it imposter syndrome, call it, you know, criticism that you might sense or feel from even close friends or family members, which can be some of the toughest part, right? Is you're trying to follow your dream and your passion. And you have people who care about you going, that's great, Will, but wouldn't just a normal nine to five be kind of the safer. And, and, and that's the thing where you don't blame anyone for wanting to guide you in those ways, but is this constant push and pull of, I want to heed wisdom and advice from the people who truly care about me while at the same time pursuing what I really feel called to do. That tension I would say has probably followed me for the past 10 years of my life. And then I would say after I moved back to Kansas city with my wife in 2018, I landed at a marketing firm in town. So for me, it kind of was that moment of like, you know what? I tried Membans and um, it's it, it just might need to take a back seat for a little bit while uh, I enter into some sort of stability. My wife and I had our first child at the time. So I landed a job at a marketing firm. I was there for a whopping eight to nine months before I got the ax, um, called into my boss's office and was let go April of 2019. So again, another reflective season coming up is it'll be five years in April from the time I was let go. And I would say in that moment, Brad and Taylor of when you're, when you're called into your boss's office and you know what's coming and you'd kind of seen some signs in the months leading up and he confirms, Hey, Will, this just isn't a great fit. I just had a huge peace that day. Um, mm -hmm. and an understanding of, Hey, this work is not me. It's not who I am. It doesn't define me enough to, you know, shake my employer's hand and thank them for the experience. And I walked out of there, head held high. I didn't know what was next, but I will tell you guys that I felt free <laughs> for the first time in a while, you know, where I just kind of felt chained to a desk of just, Oh, I don't know if this is me. I don't know if this is a right fit. 
I met up with my brother that night and my wife, coincidentally, she was out of town. She was visiting her family in Indianapolis. So Drew said, Willie, come on over. He goes, I'll throw on some uh, celebration steaks. And so he did, (laughs) you know, he fired up the grill and we just sat on his back patio that night. And man, to think about where we were five years, you know, that was before some of his stuff, before he'd thrown his name into the hat for Chick-fil-A owner operatorship, which we've talked about before and just kind of cheers to what was next. And since then, man, it was off and running. And my, my journey with starting Quill Creative, my, um, my content marketing company I founded is the result of me getting fired. The day after I was let go, I sent out an email to about 30 to 40 individuals in my network and kind of sphere of influence and just said, hey, here's where I met, would appreciate your prayers and um, keep an ear out. And that email led to my first probably three or four marketing clients on the side. They said, Will, we actually need some marketing help. And I just said, hey, cool. You know, a few, a, a few of these, you know, kind of freelance clients turned into what Lauren and I founded. Our limited partnership is Quill Creative. Quill exists to this day. But I would say where um, what began as kind of the solopreneurship venture with Quill eventually led into this specific offering in book form, which is a little of what I shared earlier. That's when Alex and I reconnected a couple years after the fact and started um, down this road of, of streamlined together. Man, man, what a what a powerful story, right? I mean that that man for you to go and to have enough health to not take that personally, but to feel freedom. And then not only to feel freedom, but to turn that freedom into an incredible adventure uh, that you have been on ever since uh, is fantastic. And I hope that there may be a, you know, a bunch of our listeners going, oh, maybe I just need to be done at my particular job and and follow whatever's actually on my heart or my passion. Yeah, yeah, right. Go get, <laughs> not that we'd ever tell somebody, hey, go get fired. But uh, it is fascinating how sometimes those can be real pivot points in our story, right? And that seems like that's a fantastic pivot point that actually propelled you to where you are now, which seems you seem to be much freer, enjoying it just in a really um, just healthy exciting place. So I'm so grateful for you sharing that. I, I think myself, like I'm, I learned so much just from that story um, in it of man, like, okay, what's really going on in here? Uh, why am I doing, what am I doing? You know, where, where do we go next? Uh, which kind of brings me to my next question, which I want to drill down a little bit more on streamline. One of the things I love to talk to with the leaders that we bring on the show is kind of like, help me understand the, the, the why, right? So why help leaders write books? What, what is, what is your why in that? Yeah, great question. And obviously, that is a huge question of the day for any business or organization. When it all comes down to it, you have to focus on the core, you know, why we're doing what we're doing. And for Alex and I, over the last year, we've just experienced a lot of clarity in our why, which if someone were to ask us, we would say our why at Streamline Books is reframing author success. Mm -hmm. And that notion is really... It points to something we've found and experienced in this industry of publishing, right? The more companies we found over the last two to three years, we noticed a lot of, there's a lot of, um, hey, write a bestseller, you know, we will help you write a bestseller (laughs) or some form or fashion. Once you write this book, man, you know, the doors that are going to open and 
we well, know can you do that for the daily leader please can, can you yeah. as a please, if you don't mind yeah well i think what's so exciting and what we get to tell and coach authors is that something better is going to happen than a bestseller for you in the aftermath of writing this book the reality is that sitting here today we just can't tell you what that is <laughs> you know and I, it's, it's all rooted in this notion of one of the best things we can do for our prospective authors on the back end of their journey is set realistic expectations for them on the front end. And so that idea kind of paired with this idea, understanding of, look, we've all been to the same conferences, you know, and listen to people up on stage a lot of times it's the same people every time, <laughs> you know, and a lot of these authors are going, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a Bob Goff or a Brene Brown or a John Acuff. And we're saying, you don't have to be, you know, you're Brad McDonald and <laughs> the book that you were born to write. It's like, it's, it's, it's still out there, man. It's still waiting to be written. And we get to help tease that out of individuals and instill into them the truth and the importance I mean, those conferences, think about how much wisdom is sitting in the crowd and those thousands of seats, because it's not just Brad or it's not just Taylor. Think about the people you guys know who it's like, where's their book? Mm -hmm. You know, and I've been really intrigued over the last year to not to go too side tangent, but, you know, these 20 under 20 and 30 under 30, and these 40 under 40 lists. It's like I made a post on LinkedIn a few months ago that was interesting and caught some traction. It was my dad's 70th birthday. And I was like, we need more 70 under 70 lists, <laughs> you know, <laughs> people who have been there and who have done it. And it's why I, I'm, I really am honored that you guys would invite me onto this because I, there's still so much I'm learning and I, I need to learn. And so... With, with our why, I think people really resonate with that because I think they can see through a lot of kind of the bull crap elsewhere, <laughs> like yeah. promising, promising the moon. That's not what we're after. Sure. And so much of our offering through Streamline, which I know I haven't gotten into too much, we essentially have two core options. Our option one is if the author leads the way writing and we kind of trail you, we provide you with a developmental editor and a team. You have your project manager, your copy editor and so forth, interior layout, cover design, we do it all. Kind of this terminology of turnkey publishing is kind of what we're on as of late. And then our option two are, is kind of our ghostwriting option. So that's, you know, for the individual going, guys, it's all up here. What I don't have is the time or skill set to sit in front of my computer and hand me this thing out. We say, that's great. Mm. You know, we pair you with a professional writer and through a series of five, 60 and 90 minute interviews, podcast style almost, we get to work through your outline that we help you define as well. And in the end, um, create your manuscript that you have full overview, full insight and um, uh, uh, get to add, you know, you know, hey, this paragraph looks great. Let's tweak this one differently. It's so fun for our authors, the way that we get to help you kind of bring your words into fruition. Well, in and in, in, in through those offerings, I mentioned this earlier, there is there's just coaching throughout you know, people are going, is this a good book that we're writing? It's like, yeah, it's a good, I hope so. <laughs> you know, I hope that it, it would be with what, with what we're offering. But again, it just goes back to the mental side of pursuing any endeavor, whether it's your own business or whether it's your own book, that is a constant day-to-day -day battle of what am I doing here? And once you realize that nobody knows what, <laughs> what, what they're doing, it makes it a lot easier because you just get to say, look, one day at a time, um, 
yeah, that, that, that's where it's at is, is, is just that slow one day at a time. Can I get to the next day? Can I get to the next day? Do I have enough for today? And if you have enough for today, then yeah, keep going. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's good enough, man. There was so much good stuff that you just packed in there. Right. I mean, I, when you said the line, I loved it, reframing authors success, it was kind of almost the shiver down my spine moment for me, because I love that idea of taking, you know, we look at a Bob Goff or a Brene Brown and we go, well, that's what success looks like. And it's like, well, that's not true. That is a type of success and they have been very successful. But I think that idea uh, of helping all those that you're working with reframe what that idea looks like is incredible because that success is different for potentially each of us, right? In And in so many different facets. And I love that you're honest with them. We don't know where we're going to end up, right? And, and that's what's kind of exciting and scary about it. So if you have just enough for the day. So man, that was some good, just good, good nuggets in there, man. I hope our listeners are really paying attention. Talk to me a little bit more about kind of like, how does being an author and a leader, like you've done this a bunch. So I'm just trying to weave it together for our audience here. Right. So how does being an author and a leader intersect? What does that look like? Yeah. Great question. And great Tommy boy reference. <laughs> yeah. If you're that a Tommy boy me... fan, man, this is a good group right here. Yeah. I mean, you want to, a good nugget, uh, Chris Farley. And I was like, Oh, Tommy Boyer, this line might be black sheep when he goes and he's up on the basketball goal and he goes, man, don't I feel like a horse's patoot. That that honestly is how I feel most days. You know, you just, you drop the ball over and over and over again, thousands of times, but man, it's those couple wins mixed in that just are enough. Mm. It's like golfing, you know, you go out a day on the links for any of us average man, those one or two shots will keep you coming back <laughs> for more. But, yeah, that's 105 uh, bad ones to two good, but I'm going to be there and pay $150 next week. So let's go. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, awesome. totally. So, well, we love the line of the root word of authority is author, you know? And I remember the first time someone told me that it was like, oh man, it's like it was right in front of us the whole time, you know? And I think that that notion is interesting. You know, you hear the line of, oh yeah, so-and-so wrote the book on fill in the blank. And that's a very empowering thing, right? Paired with the reality of, look, a book makes your, a book makes your message portable. And so many of the leaders and prospective authors we work with, they're going, guys, I don't, you know, I do speaking or I do coaching or I do these different things. I don't have time to sit down and grab coffee for an hour with every person who I'm sure like wants some of my time. Like it's a very flattering thing, right? When someone comes up to you, Hey, can we meet up? I just want, I just need some of your time. And when you can shoot them over a link and say, look, here's my book. I've taken the time, you know, these, these different elements yeah. where, uh, or I mean, I guess to maybe zoom out a little bit and you think about authors that maybe you admire in the past or for me personally, one that you, um, maybe you guys are familiar with this Tim Keller, uh, the late Tim Keller, who passed away in 2023. And I think something that maybe has lessened the blow of his death and his voice in our generation is the fact that like we have a lot of his <laughs> content and we have a, it's not just content. It's just, I mean, how do you begin to describe the years of wisdom and how that guy could take these lofty ideas and make them into readable, digestible principles for all of us? It's like, we have that now. And 
I remember after Keller died, I listened to, they did one of his kind of like a, a tribute on his podcast about one of the, one of the last interviews that he did, someone asked Tim Keller about legacy. They said, you know, what do you think about legacy? And, you know, can the legacy you might, and Tim responded, he goes, you know, I don't really think about legacy too often in regard to beyond his death. He goes, but one thing I do think about, he goes, you know, I hope that my grandkids remember me, mm. you know, <laughs> and just that line, <laughs> it's like mm. unbelievable. I hope my grandkids remember me, who I am, you know, times that we had together words that I would have shared with him. That's Tim Keller of all people. Yeah, and right. so I think that just that, again, that's just zooming it out to say your, or, or we were on with another perspective author the other day who he's actually based out of Atlanta. He's, he's an awesome guy. And he goes, um, he dropped this line, a t- Tim, Tim Elmore line. And he said, more time spent with less people is kingdom impact um, or is real impact. And I think that that speaks to this authorship journey where you are taking an extended period of time to get the ideas and principles that mean most to you down on paper. Mm-hmm. That is quite contrary to this day and age. Cause you guys know it, you get it. It's like content, 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 quick hitting TikTok, YouTube shorts. It's like, I know it's all out there, but to take the time to actually say, no, I'm going to sift through the sand of all the things I could talk about identify the core things that are most important to me in my life. And I'm going to really do a deep dive into why that's Mm -hmm. important to me, because what's important to me, I think could impact an amount of people. And even if it's not thousands, what if it's just for this few, was it worth it? I would hope so. Mm. I don't know if that answers. Yeah, no, that's man. That's fantastic. I, I mean, it sounds, you know, to me just to kind of recap, I think what you're saying is, I mean, there's a couple things that, that happen in the leadership sphere when, when you become an author, right? A is, uh, it sounds like your influence has the ability to grow exponentially, right? Because our time is limited to be able to meet with people and, realistically, you know, if we have three or four people that we influence really well in life, I think we've done a good job. But if everybody can hear kind of your story, like we all have a story to tell, right? And and I think more people need to hear more people's story. Um, and it sounds, you know, like being an author is, is a fantastic way to do that. And not only that, um, you know, you're leaving behind something for, for people to learn from generation to generation or longer, right? Like even Tim Keller saying, Hey, I hope my grandkids, well, when they're, when his grandkids get stuck, they can always go back and read some of his material, listen to some, you know, whatever that is. So no, I, I think that's perfect. It, it sounds like it's an incredible platform for leaders, you know, to be able to kind of increase that sphere of influence without taking away of the personal touch of being with people, like actually being with people, which I think post COVID, right we've all realized is such an important thing. We can do this, you know, I'd much rather do this in Kansas city over some barbecue, you know, doing all those kind of things in person, just because like, I think that has a greater impact. So I think that was fantastic, which I'm going to go to our most broad question, but we ask everybody that comes on the show. Um, so it kind of puts everybody in an interesting rock and a hard place, but I'm going to go real broad. So we're going to take a step, couple steps back. What is leadership. Like how do you define leadership in your own life? And as you see it in, in, in your company and in your personal life, like what is it? 
Yeah, <clears throat> that's a great, great question. You're right in that it's broad, but it's good to ask yourself or converse over the idea of, of leadership. I uh, Periodically, because you forget, you know, you forget. It's like, I guess, beginning with me in first grade, you know, I think of this story that my mom likes to tell. <laughs> Parent-teacher conference, me, my mom, and my first grade teacher. And I remember walking... Um, I, there, I have a faint memory, but my mom, she remembers it clear as day and she'll share with others that in the car ride home from that parent teacher conference with my mother, I apparently dropped the line to my mom. I said, mom, I'm so tired of hearing the L word. And, uh, what I meant by that, and she'll tell the story of, it was kind of a theme in the early years of elementary is these teachers would talk about, you know, Will is a leader Mm. And, and then go on to say, but you know, you can use that kind of for better or worse. And sometimes will, you know, he'll stand up on a desk and, you know, class clown type stuff, you know, uh, you know, great, great. Um, I don't want to botch uncle Ben's line, but great power, great responsibility, you know, type stuff is bound, I think in the leadership ethos, right. Of, yep. and, and that's not to say that, everyone else in my elementary school isn't a leader. It's like, we all have leadership capabilities in us, mm -hmm. right? I think, again, asking these questions for whoever's listening or whoever we might encounter, every person has leadership in them. It's how you steward it and how you wield it with wherever you are. You know, you think the map at the mall, you know, you, you are here, wherever you are, how are you channeling, you know, the, the leadership um, role that you have been called to. I think a definition of leadership. Yeah, that's a tough one. My angle, if you don't mind kind of, you know, on the curveball, just to choke up on the bat and maybe just a single up the middle here is, is bound, I think in the, a definition of humility that stuck with me. And I heard in college that is a pretty big driving force for me in my day to day. And I'd be curious your guys thoughts on it, but it was spoken a professor at Wheaton college. His name's Jerry root. He came over and gave a lecture series at Taylor when I was a student there. <clears throat> and he dropped this line that I thought was just a great word picture. And he goes, and it doesn't have the word leadership in it, but it's about humility. And I think speaks to leadership. And he says, Pride walks into the room and says, here I am. Humility walks into the room and says, there you are. And I think that that line to me embodies a definition of leadership that I hope encapsulates my life. <laughs> and any room I walk into, uh, and, and we've all been around those individuals, right? We've all been around the people who they walk into the room and it's like, all right, I'm here. Part, you know, let the party begin. And which person would you rather spend time or the evening with the person who, Hey guys, the party's arrived or the person who walks in the door and says, there you are, you know? So I don't, I don't know what you might take or extrapolate out of that. Oh, um, but I, but I think that's that good. that I, I, yeah, I hope embodies my own leadership journey in life and business. No, and that's, that's, that's so good, man. And I don't know if it makes, you know, he threw a great curveball, and, uh, if you can knock it out of the park, I think those are the reverse teams of the way that's supposed to work, but you knocked it. I, I it's a fantastic answer, man. Like making like those that make 
it about other people, right? And making them the hero to steal from kind of like story brand. I think that those are the leaders that are A, so attractive and B, that's replicable. Like you can, you you keep doing that because people gravitate towards those people, right? Um, so I just... I love the flex into the idea of humility and going, yeah, a, a great leader or leadership is defined like, hey, can you be about those other people and not necessarily about me, about what I'm doing, about my agenda, you know, even in a company of going, okay, cool. It may be my company, but can I make all of my employees the hero, right? It may be my team. I may be the coach, but can I make the players the hero in the story? Um, those people are, man, they're attractive, right? You want to be around them. You want to learn from them because um, they've got enough confidence in themselves to just keep going and keep letting it be about other people and don't, don't need the win to be, hey, I'm super awesome, right? <laughs> you know, like, so anyways, that was a great flex. Brad, um, quick pivot as we like to do and as leaders often do. I think we got a little rapid fire session. We That's on the agenda, gentlemen. That's correct. So yeah, yeah, maybe a little, little rapid fire. We, we do our best to uh, include this where we can in our interviews. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a rock and a hard place. We're going to try to hang you between the horns of a dilemma, a leadership dilemma. And uh, the big idea here is that you're going to want both of the options, but you just get to pick one. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, do you want Polynesian or Chick-fil-A sauce? Yeah, That's but we're real limited on sauce, yeah. <laughs> you want both, but you can't have both. Here we go. So in leadership, what's more important, being or doing? Also, you can phone a friend, especially if it's a famous celebrity. Being, yeah. <laughs> being, um, that's interesting. Being, maybe, can you define like, what does that, what does that mean? Like being? Yeah, being, think about, think about presence. Being is about togetherness, it's, deals with relationship, deals with being on the journey of the work being in the process, whereas doing is more about tasks, more about the work itself. Yeah, totally. If I had to choose one, I would say doing. I, I think so many people talk about ideas. Um, I think my heart <laughs> wants to say being, but my head just knows that nothing comes without, uh, without action. And I think action leads actually to being into a greater understanding of presence and all those things. So thank you for clarifying because it helped me say, yeah, it may sound, I hope it doesn't sound too, <laughs> um, what's the word, uh, not trite or shallow, but it's to me, that's just what I've found is the truth. You have to, you have to move um, or you know, a good line I like from Rich Roll, who's another great podcast I listen to is he says, mood follows action, mm. which I think is a great line, you know, go for, you know, three, five, 10 mile run and tell me that being doesn't come in the aftermath of, of movement. Mm. That's really good. In fact, one of the books that Taylor and I, uh, Taylor actually recommended this book to me, which, which is shocking because usually all of Taylor's recommendations are bad, but this one happened to be good for once. And it's the book Spark. And in that book, the author uh, talks about one of the, the best things that we can do as leaders, 
people in general is when we're stuck mentally and emotionally, we just, just go for a walk, go for a job. Um, if we want to have a fully engaged mind, we need to have a fully engaged body. And so yes. we, we always look for opportunities to encourage listeners and leaders. Um, you know, one of the most important things you can do when you're stuck as a leader is go for a walk or take a nap. And if, if we would just leverage those two tools that we have that cost us nothing more often, we would find that we're thriving as leaders and as people. Okay. So I love that you chose doing there. Uh, let's, let's talk about this one, relationships or results? Relationships or results? What's more important? Yeah, that one's easy to me in relationships. You know, my dad growing up, he would drop this line of uh, everyone communicates, few connect. And I, I love that line. When I got to college, I was walking around our library and I was looking through these books and I found this book and it said, Every, everyone communicates, few connect by John Maxwell. And I remember thinking, Pops, you, you, <laughs> you didn't you tell me that was John Maxwell. Maxwell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's kind of like Ricky Bobby. It's like, man, I lived my whole life on that. Yeah, yeah that's right. Ricky, I was high when I said that. Uh, <laughs> you can be second. Um, you can be third. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's, it's so true. It, it's life is relationship good and results. Of cinema. Yeah. Results mm. come in, in the aftermath. Okay. Love it. Let's go development or delivery. Development is about, you know, think R and D it's about working on quality, working on, uh, product market fit. It's about dialing things in delivery is about, you know, shipping the product MVP, you know, the enemy of, of good is great. The enemy of done is perfect. It's all about, you know, fulfillment yeah. development is about the perfection side of it. So what, what would you pick between the totally. two? Totally. I actually see this one similar to being versus doing. And so I would say delivery and just understanding that delivery in the early days of anything is not going to be perfect, but it's from delivery that then you get to, um, you said, is it discovery? Development or delivery? Yeah. It's yeah. Through, through delivery, you get to development and it doesn't mean you like with, with what you have, yeah, call it MVP, whatever, make the delivery as best as you can with what you have in the moment. It's kind of like I have a, a, a friend and mentor of the streamline, actually it's a streamline author. He goes, guys, if you can just be 40%, be a hundred percent at 40%, you know? And I feel like that's been kind of our journey over the last two plus years. And I don't think we're 40% now, you know, hopefully we've gotten better, um, whether it's 50 or 60, but even if you can just give 60%, give 100% at 60%, I think to me it kind of encapsulates that question of delivery. And then we'll do one more that's similar along these lines, culture or productivity. Culture or productivity. I think oftentimes I'm, I find when I'm working with my pattern talent clients, they want to kind of trade. Either we have to be highly productive or we have to have a really, really strong culture and we have to sacrifice one for the other. What would you say if you had the option to choose between the two of those? Yeah, I would say culture, hands down. I think culture is the foundation, you know, of, of any organization. And even if you can get by with the ladder for so, for so long of um, productivity, right? 
eventually there are going to be cracks in the foundation. You know, it's, it's kind of like an all truth comes out in the end type deal from a culture perspective. It may not catch up to you in the next three to five years, but give it, give it long enough. And the cracks of culture, I think will eventually reveal themselves. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'm big culture guy, uh, right here. I think just in terms of what I know or understand to be true, I remember even kind of being frustrated after I graduated college and, you know, you're filling out your resume or you're sending it to these different companies to apply for a job or whatever. I just remember thinking that of like, man, if I could just show, you know, how do you show that on a piece of paper? It's like, I like to smile. I like to, you know, you, you know, create kind of that environment. It's hard to do, you know, which again kind of speaks to the relationship component, even in and through, yeah, whether you're trying to get a new job or you're trying to grow a business, it's like that again goes back to that middle question of why relationships matter so much. I think breeds into the culture question of um, establishing that as a foundation of your organization or um, whatever yeah, group you're a part of. That's great. Love it, I'll let you off the hook. Well, great job with rapid fire there. <laughs> you did well, sir. You, uh, you made it through the fire. That. That, that first one, we, we kind of, it was turning into a slow burn and not the rapid fire. So the last two, I'm glad we <laughs> picked it up a little. Speedy, speedy Gonzalez by the end. No, that's perfect, man. That's perfect. So, well, to keep you on your toes a little bit with the rapid fire, kind of as we're wrapping up here today, and thank you so much, man, for taking the time. Couple last questions, kind of hammering in. Just want to hear a little bit more about kind of streamline your authors, all those good things. So, are there any like patterns in the industry that are emerging with the offers, uh, authors that you see that as they publish, like anything that's coming to the surface at the moment? Yeah. Like, um, in and through their process or kind of after they publish, would you say? Um, I would say probably a little bit of both. Let's, let's do yeah. in and through the process. Let's just help them with the yeah. process. Cause I'm, I'm a big process guy. So what are, what are some patterns that are emerging in the process? Totally. So we have two phases in our process. We have the writing phase and the publishing phase. And with the writing phase, there for sure are patterns. Some of them I've named already. You know, it's people dive in, they're excited. Uh, we spend a lot of time on the front end working through outline because that, again, is taking years of experience. Mm. And, and I will refer to that. It's, it's analogous to sifting through the sand to find the gold and identifying what's the gold, you know, in this first or second book that I'm writing and identifying that piece. It's, it's kind of taking that excitement on the front end and learning how to sustain that over an extended period of time. So our process is six to eight months. And inevitably, you know, you will hit a point a few months in where you're going, man, is this good? Is it, is it what I want it to be? And that's, yeah. again, a, a huge part of having a team of experts in quality control to say, yes, like this is a good book. You, you are communicating this message clearly. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's right when they get into the red zone, man, you know, or there's a great story of, I think her name is Florence Chadwick. She's a gal who swam from like Catalina Island to Cal the coast of California. Or, uh, she gets just she a gets, little swim. Yeah. Yeah. She gets a mile off the coast <laughs> and you can read about, you can Google this and read this story. She gets a mile away from the coast, but it got too foggy. Right. And so she throws in the towel. She hops on the boat. Mm -hmm. Fog clears up. They swim to land. She was a mile away type stuff. There's a lot of that with our authors of, Hey, you're so close. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. don't give up. We've done too much good work now. I would say for sure is a theme. And 
yeah, helping people that kind of final mile is, is a big one because then what they experience what's it's, once it's done is, is a book that they're proud of in the end is something really, you know, that is uh, resistance. If you guys are familiar with the war of art by Stephen Pressfield, that capital yeah, R. Book. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. We share, <laughs> we will share that with a lot of our authors on the front end of the journey. Cause we know resistance is bound to, to, to come up mm. Some of those ways I just named, but then it's elsewise, it's different things in life that try to push you and pull you away from the creative work that you were, yeah. you were born to do. Yeah. Oh man, that's no, that's great. I, I love that. So it sounds like, Hey, we've got resistance kind of a few months in, right? Like once the initial excitement wears off. And then again, when we're just trying to punch it into the end zone, uh, Brad has no idea what an end zone is because he's never watched sports in his life, but that's called a touchdown. If you get in there, Brad, it's, it's where you make it, but it's kind of, that, that seems like it's great to where your team comes in, right? Because I mean, I, there's that old African proverb, like alone, we can go fast, but together we can go far. Like people that have been there, done it, and you guys can help them, whoever they are, get across the finish line. Like we kind of just need that. It's just so hard to do on our own. Um, so that's, that's great, man. So anybody listening who's thinking or thought of or in the process of, you know, writing, uh, remember that that resistance will come uh, and do we need a team to kind of help us push push through those spots. So do you, do you have um, either kind of like a favorite book that you have published and is there anything that you are like most excited about right now with, with what you guys are doing or putting out there? So. Yeah. Great question. Um, on the favorite book, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> Especially if any authors listen to, it's like, Oh, Will's about to <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah no, <laughs> I'd say a couple, one, because it, um, maybe a little close to home, Brad thinking Atlanta connection is a friend named Dale Alexander. Dale, the reason I think this one is fun. One, he was one of our first authors. Yeah. Um, Two, he's he's the guy at the top of our website. So if you um, went to it's writemybooks.com is what we have for Streamline. And Dale's there. He's opening his first box of books. Dale owned his own business for years. He was in employee benefits and um, he has his own slate of, you know, I mean, his giant book of schools that he would work with in and around the Southeast. And um, Dale's passion was giving a talk to middle and high school students about financial literacy. And so Dale had been giving this talk that he called the talk about money for years before he realized kind of through our help with Streamline, he could take that talk and put it in book form. Mm -hmm. So Dale, through his own connections, uh, namely alongside the Georgia State Board of Education, they agreed to purchase 120,000 of Dale's books uh, to give to um, graduating high school seniors this past spring of 2023. And that moment, you know, was fairly surreal for Alex and I just going, oh man, you know, this idea that we had that again, kind of started with author one and Colin and, um, eventually led to, you know, Dale being able to take this book as a resource. And that's something that Alex and I could have done. That was Dale and his connections and, and leveraging that. But seeing that was like, that's it, you know, is, is empowering Dale to empower others is what mm. we're after. You know, another recent one I would say is, close to home here in Kansas city. Corey Shear is an individual who wrote his book called closing the trust gap. And he's been super active on LinkedIn and promoting it. And it's been so fun. I think he one day would be an awesome guest on the show. Corey's consultancy is called trust centric. And 
And that's his whole deal is coming alongside organizations and helping them infuse trust into the fabric of their culture. Corey's developmental editor on that project. Um, I won't name her, but as part of her backstory, she had just come out of a very toxic business culture setting um, where trust was like a fundamental element of what had been broken in her relationship with her employer. And as a team, we knew that. And that's what happens with, with our authors. We create an author profile, you know, here's Corey Shear, here's the book he wants to write. And we send it out to a list of our trusted and vetted writers and editors. And we will get a handful of responses. that will say, I want to write alongside Corey. Here's why. And so we picked this, we picked this gal because we knew what she had been coming from and that tandem and what they created in the, in closing the trust gap is just gold. And Corey will say it because we know the, our streamlined process largely hinges on that working relationship between author and writer, whether they're writers, their developmental editor or their ghostwriter. And, and Corey knows she knocked it out of the park on a fundamental, you know, working level, but beneath the surface, there was something so much deeper at play, which was kind of this like redemption story for her that she got to be a part of, which was to help, <laughs> help train and help enlightened hundreds, thousands. I'm sure when it's all said and done on what it means to operate out of trust when she was just coming from this broken system and, 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 the, and, and fractured relationships as a result it was so cool that she got to be a part of that project it was a really fun one. And then another author who I'm super excited about who's upcoming in 2024, her name is Leslie Weirich and Leslie's son, a number of years ago, he was a collegiate football player, just a stud, awesome young individual. He actually committed suicide and we are helping Leslie write, edit, and publish her book called The Gift of Grief. Um, mm -hmm. So The Gifts of Grief, and it's just her experience in the aftermath of losing her son and um, how she took that experience. And as you, you know, as a parent, you can't imagine unless you've gone through it. And the people that she is going to impact, I know through that book as a tool, I can't even imagine. And again, guys, it's things like that. I can't promise you Leslie's going to sell thousands of copies, but because I know who she is, She's, she's going to do something better than sell thousands of copies. She's literally going to change lives with that book. And, yeah. and we've gotten to help her bound that up in, 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 in a shareable form. Man, I love that, man. That's so powerful. And ju just uh, a bunch of different stories and peoples that you'll all have impacted. And, you know, what is even neat, and I you probably don't even realize as you're talking about it, but like all of your highlights are about people that you've come alongside and, and they're the heroes, right? In each of those stories and getting to share their stories, which is, you know, was your kind of definition of leadership is kind of the humility about being about other people. So I super appreciate you. I'm sure we could keep going on. You got, you know, plenty of other books that are coming out and have come out that um, we could talk about all day. Uh, but I just really appreciate you sharing those. So um, Brad, anything else we need to touch on here um, as we're kind of wrapping up? I know, Will, we super grateful for you coming on today. Anything else, Brad? Well, I just want our listeners to know how to find you online if they want to learn more about who you are, what you're doing at Streamline. I've enjoyed following you on LinkedIn, obviously, so I would point people there. But where else would you point people? Yeah, great question. Thanks for asking. I mentioned Streamline. Our website is writemybooks.com. Whether it's you or someone you know, um, obviously, we would love to talk You know, in, in regard to helping bring one's book to life. Me personally, yeah, LinkedIn's fun. 
Also, I think maybe one that doesn't get talked about enough is uh, Strava, uh, maybe just for accountability. Go follow me. And mm-hmm. if, if you haven't seen enough activity in a few weeks, um, yeah, maybe shoot me an email and say, what's going on, Willie? Get out there and move. I think Strava is great. Like that over the last couple of years has, and I, I do, as of, as of the last few weeks, I do need to get back on that app. But I love Strava. Um, coincidentally, um, I didn't mention this at the beginning, kind of the book that got this whole streamlined journey going is I did it for myself. So I wrote and published my first book called gouge and it's on Amazon. And so, yeah, sometimes if I don't think about it, I'll kind of gloss over, but it is part of the story in that Alex saw me share gouge on LinkedIn one day in the fall of 2020. That's how he reached out to me and said, Will, you wrote this book. I read it you're a good writer. You should help other people do this. <laughs> and I told Alex, I said, that's actually kind of why I wrote it. It was largely a means to an end. Um, it was, if I'm going to help people do this writing and editing publishing thing, I want to know it myself. So I did it. So you can go find my book gouge on Amazon, which is fun. Part of the reason I bring it up is because <laughs> then it became, well, what, what would I write about? You know, if I wrote this little book and the kind of the impetus of the book was I had deleted all my social media up until that year, I would tell some people, it was the closest I had felt to the gouge your eye out verse <laughs> in scripture where Jesus talks about, you know, um, I'd go back and find that's Matthew five twenty nine. but it's true. You know, it, for, it started with Instagram. Then I was like Twitter, Facebook. Um, I talk about kind of my reason for deleting those in the book itself, but yeah, it is also partly in turn of your question of like, I'm not on too much social, but yeah, I, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. I, uh, I like LinkedIn as a platform and then, um, yeah, or you could, you could put email. would love to get in touch with anyone who might be interested in connecting. Wonderful. Well, this has been so much fun, man. Thank you for your time. So good. Yeah. Thank you guys. I agree, Taylor. We could probably keep going, but thank you for the time and can't wait to, um, just watch the daily leader just grow in the months and years ahead as you guys are faithful with it. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by it. So thank you guys for venturing on with it. Yeah. Oh man. No, it's, it's, uh, our joy and our pleasure. And of course you can find all that information on Will down in our show notes today. So Will, again, thanks for the time you have gifted us with a ton of, um, nuggets of wisdom on leadership and your life. We're just super grateful. We hope that everybody uh, tunes back in next week for another episode of the daily leader. 